Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Kevin Dunn thought it'd be a great idea to pull Jim Ross from commentary. Rob Van Dam apparently wasn't very happy in WWE. Even internally, everybody thought WWE CW sucked. And very sadly, in January 2007, Bam Bam Bigelow passed away. Seriously, too, if you have never seen that guy work and you have never seen that guy wrestle, make sure you change it right now, because he is flipping huge, and yet he was able to move around like a cat. That is the lay of the land as we do sit down with the Royal Rumble 2007, and the funniest thing I read when I was doing my research is just all these reports that said, yeah, man, TNA, it's really boring right now. I mean, if only they had known what was around the corner. I will say that this Rumble is an absolutely brilliant show, which is probably why it did well over 500,000 buys on pay-per-view, and why it drew 13,500 fans to the AT&T venue in Texas. It also features this poster, there it is right there, that kind of looks like every single wrestler is desperate for the toilet. I mean, it happens. Hello though, my name is Simon Miller, and let's take that clock and turn it back to 2007, and up those downs for the Raw Rumble. 2007. This show, as already stated, is absolutely brilliant. And I swear there's corners of the internet where people go, man, the ruthless aggression era was absolutely crap. But that is not the case, especially when we kick things off here with the Hardy Boys versus or Eminem. Now, it is a bit weird because WWE is desperate for you to bite in this feud as if it's the Hardys versus Edge and Christian or the Hardys versus the Dudleys. And just to be honest with you, it's never going to be like that because when you took those three teams, they literally raised the bar. I mean, just go and watch their TLC matches or their tables matches or their chairs matches. Even in 2021, you just witnessed it going, <laughs> how are they all still alive? And look, don't get me wrong, John Morrison or Johnny Nitro, whatever the hell he was called back there, and Joey Mercury were a really good tag team, but they were never pushed in the way that everybody else was. And sometimes... It's all about your push. Screw that, though, because you still have four awesome workers here, and therefore you get an awesome match. And the rumours at the time was that Umunum was going to get broken up so we could, going back to what I just said, push Johnny Nitro to the moon. Now, this is very hard to watch and both read in 2021 because WWE just fired his ass, which makes no sense because he was super-duper talented back then. So right now, he is super-duper-wooper talented. That's just how it works. This was also a month after Joey Mercury had his nose shattered after he was involved in a ladder match. And if you've never seen that, don't do what I usually do when I go, go watch it now. Never watch it. 
Never see it, and especially don't do it if your mother is in the room. She will be disgusted. Eminem is so mad though, they're like, man, we're gonna flub you up so bad, Jeff and Matt. And they've been trying to do this on SmackDown, so they therefore try and carry it on on the pay-per-view. The Hardys were also being pushed as singles competitors here. And while that was kind of fine, it was quite clear that WWE knew they were better as a team because they put them back as a duo here. And as soon as they make their entrance, everyone's like, oh my God, it's Jeff and Matt Hardy. I love them so much. I mean, it works so well. Not only does Jeff get a hot tag, but Matt gets a hot tag. And then Jeff gets a hot tag, and Matt gets a hot tag. The tags just keep it getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Then eventually the tag clacks and sounds, ha, and everyone just starts hitting their big moves. The final flourish is great though, because Jeff Hardy jumps off Matt Hardy's back, and then Matt Hardy has taken out Joey Mercury, so that Jeff can hit the Swanton Bomb and get the one, two, three. I mean, it's just fun. And who doesn't want fun? If somebody came to my door right now and went ding dong, I'd be like, I don't have a doorbell. So how'd that happen? And they were selling fun, I would buy it. I mean, that sounds like a terrible idea and actually sounds like it's probably illegal and a little bit dirty. The point is getting up. We then had all this Raw Rumble nonsense when WWE superstars go backstage to pick their number. And I don't get why WWE doesn't do this anymore. I mean, Teddy Long is there and the coach is there and they're all like, Muggles, I don't know who's going to win the Royal Rumble, but it just makes it feel more legit. Edge was first and as Kelly Kelly was pulling all the numbers out of the tumbler, they got into some funny lines, I suppose, where Edge was like, ha ha, your first name is the same as your last name. And she was like, yeah, but your name is Edge, so don't get in my face when all of a sudden Randy Orton is here. These two then start saying the whole, oh my gosh, it's every man for themselves because they were a team. And once again, it just feels so special. King Booker also just turns up because obviously every single WWE backstage gets in some ridiculousness. This character is so great. Standing there all like, oh my gosh, I'm the king. I love King Booker. And then yeah, fine. All of this goodwill does go away a little bit. That's mostly because WWE booked a stupid finish. Because it is Bobby Lashley versus Tess for the ECW title. And they do circumvent your expectations because they have a far better match than you assumed they would do. But again, the only problem is you can watch this and be going like, I'm having the best time ever. But when you get to this ending and it's pure facepalm, we're like, I don't understand why I watch wrestling. And you start smashing your nose into your skin. Well, that's going to be a problem. Because after Test has smashed Bob with a big boot and only got a two count, he's shouting at the referee, what do you mean it's only two? Because he can't count. And because he's been distracted, when he turns around, Bobby Lashley gives him an over-the-head belly-to-belly suplex. Now, that looks absolutely brilliant because Test is a big guy. He goes flying out the ring. But when he gets there, he just decides, nah, brah, I don't want to get back in the squared circle. So I'm just gonna get counted out. So this guy has just decided that one, he doesn't want to win, but also two, his time isn't worth the ECW championships. So and what does all this say about the title? It didn't even help me either, because Bobby goes to the outside and murks him out of his shoes. So who did this help? I tell you, it helped no one, and it especially didn't help me, because here we are 14 years later, and I had to watch it again. Down. John Cena was then being checked in the back by medical personnel because his poor ribs had been injured on SmackDown after he had taken a beating by Umaga. And the whole point of this was to make you go, oh my gosh, maybe John Cena is going to lose the WWE title. <laughs> this is big match John we're talking about. The whole problem was he never lost. Vince McMahon is also here as we try to redo the whole Austin versus McMahon stuff. And if you are very quiet, you can hear the fans are already booing we had turned that tide. Talk about taking a trip down memory lane next to after this, because it was Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy taking on Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. And we all know the story of Kennedy. 
Kennedy after this. I mean, it is the most insane fall from grace. And make no mistake about it, at some point he was definitely going to become champion if all this nonsense hadn't have happened. And also at the start here, when the referee lifts up the title, he stares at it for ages like he wants that more than anything else in the world. And I was like, I get it, Ken. I do this with Peter. We also absolutely forget how good Big Dave was as a wrestler, because most people were like, man, it's just a big guy. There's no way he can move around the ring. But not only could he do that, he really had a good understanding of psychology. He just absolutely runs through Kennedy to begin with because he is the bigger guy. But what do you do when you're David in a David Goliath situation? You get the still steps, you use them, and then you start working over a giant's leg. Then he can't walk. Does this, this. Look how stupid I look. Throw of this, Batista is just throwing bombs as well. And one of them connects with Ken Kennedy right in the face. And he's busted open. And Batista also hits this spine buster for a near fall. And because that doesn't put Ken Kennedy away, taking my brain and forgetting about the information I do have, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe Kenny Boy is going to win. Obviously, that's not true because, again, we're living in the past. Saying that, though, Kennedy actually does have the thing won at one point, but there's no referee because he'd taken a bump. And then we did that age-old finish. When Ken Kennedy decides, I know how I beat this world champion, I will do a flying nothing off the top rope. And if you don't know what a flying nothing is, it's just when you jump because beforehand you've talked to the other wrestler and say, wouldn't it be cool if you caught me midair and hit the Batista bomb? And the other person goes, that would be cool. So you do it, but you do absolutely break reality. Anyway, that's how this ends. It is very, very good, and it's getting it up. Very sadly, WWE then took what I said earlier and flushed it down the toilet, because we get another one of these I'm going to pick my Raw Rumble number segments, but this one is very much on the wrong side of what I guess we'll call comedy. Because Kevin Thorne, a vampire, was talking to Hornswoggle, who's a leprechaun, until great Carly walks in, and he's whatever the hell he was. Because he's so huge too, he grabbed three numbers. And when coach goes to him, no, Carly, you're only allowed one. He drops two of them. So Kelly Kelly picks them up and she says, wow, these are the biggest balls I've ever held. Of course, Ron Simmons then walks in and just goes, damn. And do you know who else walked in on me when I was watching this? My girlfriend. And how am I meant to explain this to her. Was that a testicle joke? Yes. And who was this random man who came in and dropped the damn word? I just went, it's probably best if you leave me, honey. So this basically ended my relationship. And that's why it's getting it down. We do get right back on track after this, though, because it is John Cena versus Umaga for the WWE title in a last man standing match. And this nugget is absolutely brilliant. And we don't talk about it enough. Up. As mentioned, the real stakes come in the form in the fact that John Cena is injured and Umaga jumps on that instantly by hurling him into the steel steps. And because you have Armando Alejandro Alessandro, whatever the hell his name was on the outside going, get him Umaga, get him Umaga, you truly start to believe. Now, I know there was problems with this act. I mean, sometimes you look at the things WWE does and go, that's definitely controversial. But in terms of two workers kicking each other's ass, give this one a tick. Johnny got his way back into this too by picking up those still steps and just hurling them into you manga's face and that one really made you go oh jeez i don't want to see that again but when he rises at the count of five you can actually hear the crowd go oh my gosh i can't believe it maybe he is gonna win the wwe title and when the live fans do that you know the deal the energy comes out the screen and it hits you in the face so stupid simon miller starts going oh maybe it is gonna happen even though it's not this continued when you manga set the stairs up in the corner and he goes to dive on john cena and misses but once again, he just gets back up. So John Cena takes him down. But Umaga keeps getting up. You know, it's five, then it's six.
six, then it's seven. And this is such a good way to build everything and such a good way to escalate. And never forget, that's all wrestling is. So when somebody punches you and they pin you, kick out a one. But then when they hit you with a clothesline, kick out a two. Then they hit you with your finish and you're down for the three. Simple stuff. After this, it's just more stair central and it gets so crazy. It's kind of like a comedy skit. And then soon both guys are bleeding their ass off. I mean, that's a terrible choice of words. I'm not saying that blood was coming out of their ass. I mean, maybe it was. I don't know. I'm not their doctor. Point was, we had carnage here, so the red stuff was flowing. The fans still chant that John Cena sucks, even though he absolutely doesn't. And after he takes on Alejandro Estrada, whatever the hell that guy's name was, he continues just to slam Umaga with everything. But this monster keeps coming up and he keeps on coming towards John like he's the boogeyman. Damn it. Not the boogie man, the guy, you know what I'm talking about. Umaga then goes crashing through a table after he misses a splash. Honestly, this guy deserves an award for how much he was wrecked during this, especially because afterwards he is in the STFU while simultaneously having his neck being choked in the rope. This is yet another point where you go, well, clearly he's going to pass out. I mean, he is just a human, but he doesn't. Honestly, has WWE forgotten how to create monsters? Because this is absolutely the way to do it. Sadly, if you do choke a man for long enough, he will pass out, which is what John Cena goes back to here to get the victory. But this is so well put together, it doesn't even feel like a win. And the last thought you have is, well, I hope Umaga doesn't come after Cena again because eventually he will kill him. I mean, it feels like Johnny Boy has survived. And of course, this is where we have to talk about what a shame it was that Umaga did pass away so young. I mean, his friends and family and all of that are far more important. But also, he absolutely would have been a WWE champion at some point. He was one talented mother hubbard. So, go watch this and go watch this now. I'd probably say it's one of the best things on the show. And then, it was a case of things aging very, very badly. Because Ric Flair is backstage to get his Raw Rumble ball, when all of a sudden the lights dim, and he starts to dance with Kelly Kelly and two other randomly, scantily clad girls. This was no good. I'm just going to delete it from my memory. Give me a sec. What are we talking about? And then it is time for our main event, which is the 2007 Royal Rumble. And in case you don't know, this is superbly put together, which isn't always the case. And really, when you think about it, this may be one of the most underrated Raw Rumbles in history. It helps that Ric Flair is number one, because all of a sudden you feel like you're living back in 1992. But an unsung moment is that Fit Finley is in at number two, and that's why the Raw Rumble is always so good. When could you ever expect to see Ric Flair versus Fit Finley in 2007? at the flippin' Raw Rumble. Kenny Dykstra was in at number three, and it's worth noting that he was chosen as the guy to chuck out Ric Flair, but this is then absolutely undermined seconds later, because Edge just arrives and he chucks Kenny out. And do the commentators make a big deal out of this? No, they do not. Taboo soon arrives and he falls over instantly while trying to do a spot with Tommy Dreamer. And while we shouldn't laugh at that because all human beings make mistakes, this kind of sums up Taboo's entire run in WWE. <laughs> he would try something, then he just fall down. He also sets up a table because why wouldn't you do that in a Raw Rumble? But good grief does this go bad because Kane is then in, he looks at Taboo, he looks at the table and goes, all right, fine and he chokes slams him through it. It really does make the homicidal maniac look like an absolute goof because you're like, that was your plan. Your plan was to get choke slammed through the table, but you don't care about that seconds later because CM Punk is in, Kofi Kingston is in, and so is Jeff Hardy, and these are the guys you want to see. And as ever, 
Even though it's Jeff Hardy's second appearance of the night, every single person in Texas is like, oh my gosh, it's Jeff Hardy. Sandman is in and out within 10 seconds because flub ECW. And when Randy Orton arrives on the scene, that's when we get a change of pace because now Randy's in there and Edge's in there. So everyone's like, well, of course, one of these guys is going to win because they'll work together. It is really well done because it is a massive change of pace and they do get rid of Jeff and Matt Hardy. So now people are like, oh my gosh, it is going to happen. And I tell you, you go through every single Rumble in history and they always have this kind of switch. Kane then throws out Booker who just gets back in the ring to beat up the big red machine. And as we have got here, I'm just going to place my hands together and say, WWE, please never change this rule. It makes absolutely no sense because imagine it did go down in any other sport, but it tickles me so much because it's so darn stupid. After that though, the narrative changes once again, which is also smart because here comes Shawn Michaels. Now, one, we are in his neck of the woods, so people are like, oh man, maybe he is going to win. But also, WWE had started pushing that button hard, so all of a sudden, he was the kind of quiet favorite. He also starts switching music and a bunch of people over the top rope, because we do need to clear the ring. And then after a few more entries, I can't help it, the great Carly arrives, and I think Michael Cole had an aneurysm. Or he had Vincent Mann in his ear going, tell Carly, tell Carly, damn it. Because he acts like he's bet his house on the fact that this giant may win the Rumble. Like if all of a sudden he had stopped talking because he had passed out, I would have totally bought it. It didn't work. Then we got to number 30, which was The Undertaker. He just went, nah, bruh, I don't like you, Carly. And he threw him out. There is a slight dip in proceedings at this point because you do go, man, there's not going to be any surprises in this year's Raw Rumble, which is one of the best things about the pay-per-view. But because WWE had come up with a really smart finale, after about 72 seconds, you don't even care. Because the final four were naturally The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Randy on an edge. And when it turned out that Edge and Randy Orton were not able to coexist, it is down to the dead man and HBK. And they basically go and have a one-on-one match that just so happens to have Raw Rumble rules. And as you know, when it comes to those two, their chemistry is off the charts. I mean, they're probably teaching it in school. The fans also totally buy into this as well. And when it gets time to tease who's going to go over the top rope, I swear you will be having kittens. Like cats will actually be coming out of all of your holes because you will be so invested in this. I'm sorry for saying that, parents, please forgive me. It helps even more now too when you watch it back because you know what's coming in the next few years. And when Shawn Michaels goes for one too many super kicks, Undertaker grabs his leg. He throws him over the top rope. He then collapses in the ring to act like he's spent... Just a massive round of applause, and it's absolutely getting it up. The payoff for all of this, too, when it came to WrestleMania in 2007, was The Undertaker versus Batista, which is also a match you should go and watch. One, because we've done it on Retro Ups and Downs. You can go watch that episode. But also, two, they got pissed and went, oh, you're going to put us in the middle of the card, are you? Like some kind of cretins? Well, we're going to go out there right now and show you what for. So this was kind of the start of a great run for the Phenom that would just see him get better and better and better before it started going the other way. But go and watch the Royal Rumble 2000. I had a flubbing great time. Overall, up. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.